we have a national tradition called Thanksgiving Day. It's a good day to give thanks, although scripturally we're told to give thanks not only every day, but unceasingly. Part of the problem is oftentimes with our traditions is that we have those traditions, but don't ever explain to our children why. We usually say, well, it's what we've always done. That's a lousy excuse. It's not a tradition, it was a requirement in the scriptures, but when the Jews celebrated Passover, part of what they were required to do was to answer certain questions, and those answers were, in essence, personal. So it wasn't, well, we just gather around and have a Passover meal because that's what we've always done. There is explanation for tradition. Now, this wasn't a tradition, but it kind of gives you an idea of what I'm talking about. There was a young lady who got married, and they were going to have ham. And she was going to do like many uh, people on Easter, have an Easter ham. And so she wanted the family to come over, and she was going to cook the ham, and she was getting ready to cut the ham in two. Her husband goes, what are you doing? She goes, well, my mom always cut the ham in two, and it always tasted good, so there, there's got to be a reason. And he goes, I don't think there's a reason. I mean, you don't need to do that. So he goes, why don't you call your mom and find out? And so she called and said, Mom, I know you always cut the ham in two, and that was because it made the ham better, right? And, and the mom said, no, I didn't have a pan big enough to put the ham in, so I had to cut it. So sometimes we do things because we've seen it done, but we have no understanding why we're doing it. And maybe there is no longer because we have a big enough pan. So Jesus is going to deal with tradition. But it's tradition, it's not an commandment, but tradition, uh, tradition versus commandment. Matthew 15, chapter 1 says this, then some of the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem. Now, the heavy hitters are coming. There's a lot of Pharisees and scribes throughout Israel, but these are the important guys because they hang around Jerusalem. They have all the power. So they're hearing about Jesus and his ministry and his impact. So they come from Jerusalem to the area to see Jesus and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now, what they're talking about is not sanitation. They're not talking about hygiene. They're not talking about, well, your hands are dirty, so you need to wash them before you eat. What they're talking about is a religious ceremony that the Pharisees made a tradition but what the scriptures said was that before the priests were to perform their services at the tabernacle and then later the temple, they were to wash their hands and feet before performing the ceremony. The rabbis took that, made their tradition, 
that before you ate or did anything, you were to ceremonially wash your hands. So their complaint is not hygiene. It's not sanitation. It is, why aren't you doing the rituals? Which is interesting because they place this ritual not on just the priests, but on everybody. Everybody is supposed to ceremonially wash their hands before they eat. For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? So Jesus is going to hit back and hit back hard. He's going to say, Let's talk about commandment of God versus tradition. For God said, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. Now, aren't you glad you're not living in Israel today? Because I suspect not many of us would still be around. Because especially as teenagers, we probably said some very unkind things about our parents. So he said, God has said, honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. By this you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Now what this procedure is, is called korban. And what it is, is that there was a tradition that said if you gave everything to God, if you place it, if you will, in our present day, like in a trust. You put it in a trust for God. But the difference is, you could use it. So the remainder person is God, but you get to use it. But the excuse is, I gave it to God, so I can't help you. Now in Israel's time, in essence, they didn't have Social Security, they didn't have 401ks, they didn't have retirement plans. Your retirement plan was your kids. And in essence, what this tradition allowed people to do is say, I don't have to take care of you. It's just about me. I've dedicated it to God. I can use it, but I can't let you use it. And Jesus is saying, you are to honor your parents, and yet through your tradition, you allow them to suffer. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. So Jesus says, Isaiah, when he prophesied hundreds of years before, was right on with this generation. They talk about God with their lips, but they don't know who God is. In vain do they worship. Which is interesting. So many people think, well, we'll just come to church and we'll worship. Just because you sit in a pew and sing some songs and do whatever, doesn't mean God's accepting your worship. In vain do they worship. Because their heart is far from me. God wants first and foremost your heart and then your worship. So he says, do not take tradition and nullify the word of God. Even good traditions are not to 
invalidate the word of God. Now, this is not a good tradition. This was one way to get around providing for your parents. But there are traditions that we have that if they violate the word of God, we are to stop doing them. The word of God is foremost. Traditions may be good, may be indifferent, or may be bad. But the word of God first and foremost. Now I'm going to stop here and get a little bit away from what Jesus is teaching and talk about, if you will, commandment versus tradition. But I'm going to talk about commandment versus commandment. The scriptures say, the first and foremost commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul. And the second is similar, to love your neighbor as yourself. But there are other commandments. One commandment I talk about is that we're not to bear false witness. Which means we're supposed to tell the truth. But sometimes it's better for us just not to say something. So for instance, if there's an ugly bride speaking the truth to say, you're an ugly bride, isn't all that helpful. It's, it's hurtful. So it may be true that she's ugly, but giving your two cents on it doesn't really help. And a matter of fact, it kind of violates that second command to love your neighbor as yourself. Would you want people to say to you, oh, you're ugly, especially on the day that the bride is wanting to be her most special day. But there are some times when the commandments of God could seem to conflict. How could that be? I'm going to take the example that we're not to bear false witness. Let's say you're a Christian and you're living in Belgium in the late 1930s, early 1940s. And you're hiding a Jewish family of a husband, a wife, and two children. And the Gestapo comes to the door and knocks on your door and you answer, and the Gestapo asks you, are there any Jews in this house? Well, if you tell the truth, and the truth is, because we're not to bear false witness, we just say, yeah, I'm hiding a family. Well, guess what happens to that family? They're taken and at best case, cruelly treated and more likely murdered. And the scripture says, we're not to murder. So there are sometimes when we have to take the word of God and say, what is the foremost? It's to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And while maybe we should not bear false witness, there may be a time when the bearing false witness is better than the alternative commandment. You see, the Christian life is not as easy as we pretend it to be. There are times when there are very hard choices following God. Because we can say in the vacuum, well, we should never lie. But then we should say, but we need to protect. But the funny thing is, 
we tend to protect our traditions far more than we protect the commandments of God. It seems more churches divide over their traditions than over the commandments of God. Because if they follow the commandments of God, they would love one another. But the traditions say, well, we've always done it this way. Why do you want to change? So just something for you to think about when it comes to tradition versus commandment and commandment versus commandment. Because if you haven't been presented with that question, I'm pretty sure your kids will one day ask you those things. But I suggest you think about it. Verse 10. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, Notice, he didn't call the Pharisees. He didn't try to convince them. He just basically condemned them and ripped on them. But Jesus wants the crowd to understand. So Jesus calls the crowd to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth. This defiles the man. He wants the people to understand that the traditions of the Pharisees is incorrect, that even though they may not do all the traditions of the Pharisees by washing, that is not what defiles them. It's not what goes in, it's what proceeds out. Now, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. In the next paragraph, we're going to see how dense the, the disciples are. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? They were offended. And it kind of sounds like today's society. Everybody's offended at something. So the Pharisees are offended when they heard this statement. But he answered and said to them, Oh, go there and say, I'm sorry, I feel so bad that you're offended. I'll never say that again. That's not our meek and mild Jesus, right? This is what Jesus says. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. So he's in essence saying, you know the Pharisees? Yeah, they're religious establishment, but my Father God did not plant them. Therefore, they're going to be uprooted. There was a parable that Jesus taught about the evil one planting tares and them being unrooted. Jesus is saying, if you're not God's plant, you're going to be taken out. Let them alone. Stop arguing with them. Stop trying to convince them. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into the pit. Now, the sad thing about the Pharisees is that not only they're blind, they're willfully blind. They're blind and holding their hands over their face because they refuse to see God. And he's saying because they're blind and they're choosing to remain blind, they're thinking that they can lead other people 
But as a blind guide leading blind people, they will fall into a pit. And I believe the pit Jesus is talking about is not a physical one, but an eternal one. So the next thing in, in this understanding is if you're following somebody, make sure they can see. And Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And I love this. I mean, of all the parables, this one seems pretty obvious. Putting something into your mouth doesn't make you unclean or defiled. It's what comes out of the mouth that does. It kind of seems self-explicit. But Peter goes, I don't understand. Lots of people say there are no stupid questions, and I... And, I, and I'll say, generally speaking, um, the only stupid question I think it is, is I'll give an example. If I tell you that 2 plus 2 is 4, and immediately after I say 2 plus 2 is 4, and you ask me how much is 2 plus 2, that's a stupid question. Because I already told you the answer. You weren't paying attention. So this comes close to a stupid question. But then again... I ask a lot of stupid questions. Unfortunately, Jesus isn't there to answer them. <laughs> it's, huh, how come you do those things? So he says, explain the parable to us. And Jesus said, are you still lacking in understanding also? Are you kind of just like the Pharisees? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? You see... What you eat is not what you are. I know there are books that says that you are what you eat. That's not what Jesus says. If you eat pasta, you ain't pasta. Because you're going to get rid of it. That, doesn't, that is not what makes you... But the things that proceed out of the mouth comes from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, fault witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. If I were on an equal footing with Jesus, I would argue with him here. But I ain't. But I'll tell you what my argument is. The reason that all those things come out of the mouth is because they're in the heart, which means I was defiled before I ever said it. Because those are my thoughts. That's who I am without thinking about what my immediate response is these things. And Jesus says, those are the things that defile the man. They come out of the heart and through the mouth to let you and the world know you ain't perfect. You're not righteous. And you need a transplanted heart. You need a resurrection. 
you need a change. And that's why we are told that we are given new life through Jesus, that we are born again. And the problem is, is while that is happening, we still have this old heart that wants to keep being resurrected. I'm generally, and I know most people don't like to use this word, I'm generally a patient person. By patient, that means with other people. I don't like other people, but I tend to be patient with them. However, God save you if you're a screen door. Because my family has seen me get really hacked off at a screen door and throw it halfway across the yard. Because it doesn't have any feelings. I don't need to be patient with it. I'm just tired of it not fitting on the door. See, there's anger issues here. I ain't perfect. And that's what defiles me. It's not eating chocolate. Not even eating broccoli. Lord knows why you'd want to, but even so. I think also what Jesus is saying is stop worrying about what is on the outside. We're always looking at each other on what we do or don't do. Do you do this? You don't do that. Do you, do you not do this? You, you know, do you go to movies? Do you play cards? Do you drink? Do, you know, all these things that we look at and say, oh, you should or shouldn't do. Rather than seeing what's coming from the heart. So the person does X. And, I don't, and, I'm, and I'm afraid to use any example because they'll say, oh, I'm talking about you. So I'm going to use chocolate again. So you see me eating chocolate. Are you worried about me eating chocolate? Or do you say, you know, Pastor Joe is really patient with me. I ask all these dumb questions, always whatever, and he always has time for me. He always seems to love me. Is it better for me, are you concentrating on my chocolate eating or who I am? And vice versa, am I more concerned about you eating chocolate or broccoli than who you are and what's coming out of the heart? Because it's easy to pass judgment on the external. You say a cuss word, oh, Terrible things. I, I won't repeat it, but one of the, the funniest uh, incidents that happened was a uh, gentleman in our church many years ago, after a uh, sermon came up to me and gave me a compliment concerning my sermon, using language you would not expect a believer to use. So it, it, was, it was an interesting juxtaposition. But I knew what the gentleman was trying to say. He appreciated that the sermon touched him. So I could be offended at his language, or I could simply do what I did. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that it meant something to you. 
but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And those defile the man. Jesus spoke against the Pharisees because the Pharisees were attempting to guide people and eventually into the pit. So Jesus had very little compassion for them. But for those who struggled to follow him, and even Peter, who seems to ask a question that seems to be a fairly obvious answer, he is patient. And even though he says, don't you understand, he gives him the explanation. And that's how Jesus is with you and with me. He's patient. He's kind. Even though we may not get it yet, he still explains it to us. He still encourages us because he understands we are but dust. So, when you read the scriptures, when you hear sermons, we should understand we should try to build so that it is relevant. It's not, well, what do we do to fill up 30 to 45 minutes during Sunday? It should cause us to contemplate, to say, how can I use this to impact my life? And this message, how is it I make sure that my traditions do not countermand the commandments of God? And how is it that I become more concerned with my heart than other people's actions? And that I might look at their heart rather than their actions? The last thing I want to share is an example. When I was a young boy, I lived in a neighborhood, and there was a um, kid there, and he got in a lot of trouble. So my mother had an explanation. She goes, if you go to somebody's house and that child is there, you're to go home. And if you're there and he shows up, you're to go home. Other parents heard that instructions to me and said, yeah, but I feel sorry for so-and-so. And my mother goes, I feel sorry for him too. But I'm not going to let my child get ruined by him. Make sure you protect your children from blind guys. Make sure you protect yourself from blind the easy thing is to allow things to be as they are. The hard thing is to say, they're not ready to withstand this. And therefore, they need protection. And all too often, we're not as strong of believers as we think we are. And we need to make sure that we follow the right example that we are protected 
from the wrong people. Just as Jesus said, leave them alone. They're blind guides. Sometimes it's best for us to know who we should not associate with because we're not yet spiritually mature enough to do so. Jesus could have hung around the Pharisees. It would have been a waste of time. But he could have done so. But he was very concerned about the impact on the Pharisees on his disciples. We should heed the same. We should always be listening for and to the voice of God. To follow his instructions and his will. I'm encouraged that the women had that Bible study. But it's a Bible study that we all should understand. That when God speaks, we listen. That when God leads, we follow. Even when it seems that it offends our traditions. And all God's people said,